Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Haley Barton, and in this season, we are talking about my new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And in this episode today, we are going to be tackling the subject of technology and how we can tame our technology as it has to do with our Sabbath practice and how Sabbath can even be an opportunity to take a break from overstimulation and all the things that get stirred up when we're engaged with our technologies. But before we get into our topic and introduce our first guest, I'm going to kick it over to our podcast producer, Colleen Powell, because she's got another giveaway for us this week. Hey, Ruth. I am very excited about this giveaway this week. You guys have heard us talk about Good Kind, our sponsor for the season, and you might have heard us say that Good Kind makes a Sabbath box. You are going to hear more about that Sabbath box later in the episode, but we have one to give away. Now, this is a very beautifully designed box that is sort of created to hold your technology on Sabbath or hold the things that remind you of work to a visual place to put all of those things that you are resting from on the Sabbath. And Goodkind has generously donated a few boxes for us to give away. So this week, in order to be eligible, we would love for you to share the podcast. If you have been enjoying this season, we would love it if you would share about it on social media and tag us in your post. Or if you are not a social media person and you want to text about it to a friend or email, any of those things would be eligible. If you share on social media and tag us, we will see it and we will automatically enter you to win but if you are texting it to a friend or emailing it to a friend just send us a screenshot of what you shared to podcast at transformingcenter.org and you have until October 4th to enter to be eligible and we will pick a winner and get in touch with them after October 4th so I think you're really going to love these boxes we're excited to share them with you all and I'm excited for you to hear this week's episode. It is just such great practical thoughts on technology. So Ruth, tell us about our guest. Well, first of all, I just think it's hilarious that this week when we're talking about technology, you're encouraging people to use their technologies Shoot. to let people know about the podcast. Just don't but, do it on Sunday. Yeah, just not on the <laughs> Sabbath. Yes, absolutely. So anyway, that just made me giggle a little bit. <laughs> but yes, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Tiffany Schlain, and I quoted her extensively in the book on my chapter about the power of unplugging. And Tiffany is a multidisciplinary artist. She's a writer and filmmaker and public speaker. And what's so interesting about her is that she does spend her work life in the world of technology and the digital world, and yet she's also taking it on and talking about the relationship between humanity and technology, the future of work, digital well-being and happiness, neuroscience and creativity. And so her book, 24-6, Giving Up Screens One Day a Week, to get more time, creativity, and connection is an award-winning book, and I stumbled across it when I was trying to really grapple with the topic of technology in this book, and I was so grateful that she said yes to coming on this podcast. We'll be speaking to another guest later on in this episode, but for now, please enjoy this conversation with Tiffany. Welcome, Tiffany. I'm so glad to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited oh. to talk about this with you because we both have gone deep on Shabbat mm -hmm. and I feel like 
I'm this opening in the tech conversation that I'm excited to, and I'm excited to hear what you've learned because it's it's definitely a journey. Yes. And really one of the things that drew me to you and why I think your book is so effective is because of who you are, because you are so involved in filmmaking and, and many things that have to do with technology that rely on technology to, to even do what you do vocationally. And yet someone in, in your vocational role is actually saying, yes, as important as all that is. And I work in that every day and all day, uh, you are driving a stake in the ground and saying it is a really blessed thing to unplug one day a week. Yeah, I think I absolutely know of the power of technology to amplify mm -hmm. what you do in this world. But I, what I've learned over 13 years of turning off all screens for Shabbat is how incredibly profound it is to turn it off mm -hmm. every week. Yes. And how it really resets me in this very deep way. Yeah, it's been a huge uh, metamorphosis on my views about tech. Well, Tiffany, let's start by talking about your own journey, your religious background, and especially, you, you know, your practice of Shabbat, your understanding of that from your own religious background, and then your current vocation. It's just so interesting to me that the, you're, in, even in the midst of your current vocation, which relies so much on technology, you're still so committed to this 24-6 way of living. And what caused you really to bring all this out in writing, to write about this in such a wonderful and practical way? And I just can't wait to get into the practicalities with you because you're so good on the practicalities. But first of all, let us in on your journey just a little bit. Yeah, I grew up in Northern California. Both of my parents are Jewish. I would say we were more cultural and culinary Jews mm -hmm. than religious mm -hmm. Jews. We actually did not grow up practicing Shabbat. We, I became a bat mitzvah. We went to high holidays and... We love wrestling with ideas and Jewish food and comedy and mm -hmm. so many of the cultural aspects of it. But I, I really didn't even know about Shabbat until I met my husband, who Ken Goldberg, and he grew up with Shabbat and he grew up conservative. Mm -hmm. And he would tell me how every Friday night they had this amazing meal. Actually, no, it's even better than that because huh. when I first met him, um, he went to go hear he's a professor of robotics, but he's also an artist. So my dad wrote a book called Art and Physics and Ken went to go hear my dad speak. And I was with 10 of my best friends at an art gallery listening mm -hmm. to my dad speak. And Ken went up to my dad and was like, oh, Professor Schlain, I, Dr. Schlain, I love your book. I'm a new professor. My name's Ken Goldberg. And I just know my dad was like, Goldberg, Jewish, Czech, loves my work, Czech. Have you met my daughter? And then we fell in love that night. But I say oh. that because... He grew up and we met, I think, on a Thursday and, and we had our first date on a Saturday and he said something very nonchalant. He's like, oh, well, I don't work on Saturdays. It's Shabbat. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, he's this young <laughs> professor. I was working my ass off running the Webby Awards, which honors the world's best websites. I worked mm -hmm. all the time. And I just thought it was so sexy that he mm -hmm. had such a boundary around working. <laughs> the reason why is that he grew up uh, observing Shabbat, just the dinner, mm -hmm. really. But then he was uh, he studied in Israel and lived there for a year. And in graduate school, and the whole country shut down. And he grew to really love Shabbat and mm -hmm. not working on Saturdays. So I just thought that was so cool. And then the more I learned about it, and then when we started having kids, we started practicing Shabbat more and more. But I would still say like once a month, you know, and light the candles once a month, mm -hmm. once every three weeks. And then it was really, uh, and I loved it. I loved it. I started making challah and I loved the ritual of it. And then I had this very kind of crazy couple of weeks where 
um, my father died, who I was really close with. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was born within days. And it was one of those periods where I just felt like everything was happening in slow motion and really fast at once. And it felt like life was grabbing me by the shoulders and saying, what matters? Mm -hmm. You could die at any moment and you have this new life in front of you. And we were asked to participate in this national day of unplugging. And we did. And I remember just being to kind of like, this is exactly what I needed because I was feeling what I forgot to say is that leading up to that, I was feeling more and more distracted. And I, I have always prided myself on being able to focus on anything. And the, the iPhone was slowly like eating away at my attention and my ability to be present anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that day that we unplugged with this new baby and we had also a six-year-old and I just felt this immediate sense of calm. And I mm -hmm. felt like we were, we were melting into this deeper way of Shabbat. Mm -hmm. We did it the next week, the next week, the next week. And we started calling it our tech Shabbat because it was very clear about turning off the screens. And, and then it started to just transform our lives in so many ways. It became the rhythm. I loved your tagline mm -hmm. of the rhythm of the week and it made me feel more creative and more mm -hmm. grounded and happier and more grateful and like the benefits just kept rippling yeah. and getting deeper and mm -hmm. and and then I started making a lot of kind of films about it and writing about it and then I eventually wrote the book and now it's been 13 years so and so there's a film about it I've made uh, a couple short films about it so I I uh, made an original series called the future starts here there's, there's two seasons of it and I have an episode called Textbots, which is entirely on that subject. Mm -hmm. And then I have one called A Case for Dreaming, which is the neuroscience behind daydreaming. Because I feel so much more creative on Shabbat, and I really wanted to dig into that. And, and then I make a, a lot of films about like psychology and philosophy, and about gratitude and presence. And I mean, just it is it sets the stage for all the things that I value in life mm -hmm. that I didn't have I didn't feel like I was setting the stage for before because we're all on our phones or trying to get each other off the phones or just this distracted way of living that I think we all feel all the time yeah so just to be clear this chapter in my book is called the power of unplugging so Tiffany you're talking about when you talk about a tech Shabbat you are talking about unplugging for 24 hours can yeah. you say a little bit more about that? Because I know the people who are listening cannot even like, imagine what? this. I yeah, know. say a little so, bit more about that. Because people haven't done it in so long, you <laughs> yes, don't realize yes. how much you need it. So Friday afternoon, we always have people come over for Shabbat. It's mm -hmm. the best night of the week. We make a challah, beautiful mm -hmm. table. We always have friends and family over. And I, at that I do a lot of journaling on Shabbat. Um, I print out whatever we might have the next day, but I really try to make not a lot happen the next day. Mm -hmm. It's the day of nothing and everything. You know, you just, it's about being, it's our family day, really. But you are unplugged from screens. Nobody is on their phones. Yeah. Nobody's on their computers. Screens are off. So I usually put in the kitchen, there's like a little docking station where all the little computer animals live. Mm -hmm. You know, I am one of those people, I don't even want to see them, mm -hmm. nothing. My husband is more like, what if we get lost? Like we, like out of 13 years, we've gotten lost maybe three times where he'll be the Shabbos Goy and figure out how to get to where we need to go. Or, but for me and our kids, they're just like in this little area in the kitchen that I usually try to cover because there's so much research. It's like out of sight, out of mind. And it's the day that you do things differently. We have a vinyl album player. I have a Polaroid camera. I do a lot of handwriting, like I write mm -hmm. journal by hand. And it's wonderful to have a day where you just kind of exist differently for a whole day. 
every week. And Friday is very social because we have people mm -hmm. over. So that's very fun. And like people know, actually this last Shabbat, a couple people pulled out their phones to show us things. And I was like, ah, we don't need to see it on your phone. Tell us about it. You know? Yes. <laughs> Most people come over, no, like don't bring your phone out at our Shabbat. But it's my favorite meal of the week because no one's interrupted by their phone. They're not like looking under the table or like, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like as though present. we don't notice that they're looking under the table exactly. at their phone. <laughs> exactly. And then Saturday, I sleep always the best on Friday nights. There's no technology mm -hmm. in the bedroom. I have a lot of problems sleeping lately. It's my age, whatever. Yeah. So I'm always like look forward to that sleep. And then Saturday morning, my husband and I do some journaling. We always have like, we'll save conversations to like, yes. oh, let's talk about it on Shabbat. Mm -hmm when we have space and then the kids eventually, you know, will come downstairs and we usually take a long walk in nature. We try to do one thing that everyone wants to do. And that could be a nap that could be going out. I don't know, to the farmer's market, or it's just a very um, simple day of mm -hmm. simple pleasures. And I, I tend to just like, again, I have my best creative ideas that I use in my films mm -hmm. and my artwork that day. I, sometimes uh, I'll see an article fly by during the week on Twitter or wherever. And I'm like, I'm going to read that on Saturday because I know that I'll be able to focus and read deeply because we're reading more than ever, but we're skim reading. Mm -hmm. We're not deeply reading something. So I kind of reserve that day Shabbat to be present, to think more deeply. And I just, I, I my mind, I, I feel like I return to myself, you mm -hmm. know, like, we're, we're just about to approach the high holidays, which is about, you know, returning. And I think of like, you know, it's every week I get to do that. Every week I kind of return to myself mm -hmm. and I can hear myself think. And I'm not in reaction to every text and news headline and inbox. And I'm just not reacting. I'm just like, I'm, I'm listening to what I'm thinking about. I'm being present with the people around me. And it's really the most beautiful day in my family. Mm-hmm that we have yeah how old sure. are your kids now so i have a 13 year old and now i have a daughter who's just about to go to college mm -hmm. and people have asked well, like how does that you know she goes to yale she's back east um, she's going next week and this week she's leaving in four days but what she so when she went to college we talked about like how can we like tweak it so you can still do it so she has google maps still on mm -hmm. um and she can call an uber and uh, it, it actually, the good news is, is that the last update on the iPhone, they activated all these features I have been waiting for for 10 years, mm. which is the focus feature, the way that you can only make, like you could make just your phone app work on Saturday. You can mm. set your phone up. It's If you go into settings, they just rolled out this advanced set of features that would let you, like, let's say you just want to use your camera and you only want your mother who's sick to be able to text you. Oh, yeah. Boom, you mm -hmm. can do that. Now, I personally don't want to touch the thing because mm -hmm. it's such a conduit to so yes. many other things that I don't even, I don't even want to, I can't even touch it. But for my daughter who's 19 in college and her social, you know, she doesn't have like a home base, like a home like she does when she was here, we kind of made an adjustment. And I think that is totally reasonable on people's lives. Like I've had, you know, some men say, oh my God, but what about, the baseball game on Saturday, whatever. Mm. Now, again, for me to turn on the TV, there's news headlines, there's this, there's tech, there's like, ah, oh, I can't get that, whatever. Like, it's way too much information for me on my day of rest. But I would never want that to keep somebody from doing this incredible, valuable day of Shabbat. So in my book, I do get very practical because for me personally, I want nothing to do with screens for 24 yeah. hours. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I can't wait to talk about practicalities because that's one of my favorite things about your book is just how practical it is. But before we do that, I wanted to talk for a minute, and, and I know that we all know these things, but I still think it's helpful to talk about why this is so important in a little bit more specificity. Why is it so important for unplugging to be a part of our Sabbath? And um, there's, I know you're, you're someone who studies these things, but I wanted to talk with you about this phrase that I quote in my book um, from Sherry Turkle. Our phones are not accessories, but psychologically potent devices that change not just what we do, but who we are. And I think you're, you were starting to get at that. I don't even want to touch the thing because it's a conduit for so many things. And she's getting at that too, that I mean, I just think she has stated it so well that they're not accessories, but psychologically potent devices that change mm-hmm. not just what we do but who we are do you resonate with that agree oh, disagree yeah, yeah. I, I love sherry we're we are good friends mm-hmm. and talk about a lot of the stuff yeah because i think that if you're in a constant state of reaction which is pretty much what the phone you know reacting well if you post something what are the what do people say what are the notifications yes. what is the news saying what do people need for me mm-hmm. what is who do i need to respond to like you're in a constant state of response and also it is designed to be trying to get your attention. So it's triggering your amygdala, mm-hmm. triggering your fear, your focus, your you want attention. So I completely agree with her. It is, it's become a very powerful tool. I mean, I just mentioned the negative things, but incredible ways you can stay connected to the world and get projects out. And there's so many incredible parts of it. Mm-hmm. But I think we don't realize that we're opening ourselves up to the world and to everyone in our lives. And I, I love my family. I talk to them all the time and my girlfriends, but for one day I'm just only with the people that are right around mm-hmm. me. And that's very, and sometimes just myself, Yeah, you know, learning to be alone and hearing your inner thoughts and what are you really thinking? What are you, and actually you asked earlier, like, why did I have the desire to write the book? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think writing for me in my journal or a book, it's a way for me to truly understand what I think about mm-hmm. something. And if we have, we live in a society where there's so much digital noise all the time. How can we think? How That's can we right. really know what we're thinking? So to me, again, Friday night is a very social night in my house. It's like my favorite social night of the week. But Saturday is very much more quiet. Mm-hmm. It's like a quiet energy. And I feel like I'm quieting my soul. I'm seeing what my soul wants to say. Um, I'm unpacking my week. I'm like looking at big pictures, mm-hmm. very reflective. Yeah. And I don't want to live in a world where there's no time for reflection. And like every great mm-hmm. faith tradition values silence and reflection. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've created a society that has no space for that anymore. Yeah. So we have to have the courage. And this, here's the screen part because people like still to this day, how can you be, you're not really off screens. Like, what am I joking with you? Like, yes, like that is the way to quiet the noise. Mm-hmm. And there's so much attached to that phone that comes in that when you turn it off, it's like, I feel liberated. <laughs> I feel like I am mm-hmm. set free yeah. from everything attached to it. And I'm suddenly like responding to myself and the people around me or just being present in my home or the garden or nature, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. So good to talk to you because, you know, I've been 
working with the practice of Sabbath in, in a radical way in my own life. And sometimes, like even the fact, the simple thing that you said, that if there's an article that you want to read, I don't read it online. I actually copy it. I actually yeah. pull it off. And then I sit with it on my couch yeah. in the quiet of Sabbath. And I already have decided this is something that I want to bring into this reflection time. This is something I want to reflect on. Exactly. And so, I mean, I don't get to talk to people like you who do that. <laughs> so I know. That's what I say. It's just so, so fun. nice. I mean, because it, it, it feels so radical to even attempt to unplug and to do all the weird things that you have to do to do that. The planning ahead, like you talk about, copying yeah. off directions, copying off things that you might want to read warning people that you're going to be off and yeah. saying, you know, it's e reminding people. Yes. And being loving to them because you're not trying to cut yourself off from your loved ones. You're trying to cut yourself off from the phone and from all right. that comes in, as you've said. And so to let people know that you will be off, but how they can reach you if they need you. I mean, that's just thoughtful and loving, but it gives you the freedom to do what you need to do for yourself. Yeah, it's almost, and we have a landline, which. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of reinstating one. Yeah, the landline's yeah. great. Because if anyone needs to reach me, they really yeah, can call they me. they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it is kind of a, it's it's almost like, you know, you're going to take care of yourself so you can be a better mm -hmm. mother, daughter, sister, friend afterwards. Because when you're just giving, giving, giving and available every second, I just feel like everybody spreads mm -hmm. so thin and just in response mode. And I feel like I fill my cup each week and it grounds me. I feel very centered. It recharges me. And it's this ancient technology. And it's interesting to think about like any ad for a new iPhone or a new computer. It's like, this is going to make you more efficient mm -hmm. and more powerful. And, and if you think about those same and more productive, now I could apply those same words to, to rest mm -hmm. and the Sabbath. If you really take a day off every week, it's going to make you more efficient, more productive, more powerful, more connected because you took that space. And there's so much research that shows that even like if you think of, athletes they're not going to use the same muscle group every day because they do interval training because they need to rest their muscles in order to grow them mm -hmm. and i think we're just living in a world where everyone's supposed to be available all the time and then during the pandemic kind of accelerated that when so many people went remote and so so many people's personal space got yes. blurred even more mm -hmm. and i'm kind of saying you know boundaries are good like create some space the technology's promise was to remove all the boundaries and remove all the space, but some boundaries are good. And, right. and creating space around your personal time, your family time, your weekend time, your rest time is really important. And even your own head, you yeah. know, your own inner head space. Totally. Because one of the things that I'm aware of with both phone and email, and for me, I've, I'm pretty disciplined. Not everybody has my cell phone number. I don't use my, my cell phone that way. I'm pretty careful about who has that number. But even email, like if I know that if I open up, I'm opening up to anything that anybody that is their priority for me, you know? Right. It's letting your mm -hmm. day be designed by other people. That's right. And, and because I am a sensitive person and I am an emotionally sensitive person, they might not intend for something to, to, you know, derail me yeah. or to get me riled up. But the truth is I, I, I'm easily riled. I can yeah. easily get into an emotional state over something. And so if I open up, I'm opening myself up to whatever anybody want to put out there for me, you know, and then yeah. I'm caught up in it. And then I'm, even if I don't respond, I'm still thinking about it. I'm thinking what my response is going to be. And, and it doesn't help me enter deeper and deeper into that resting place in my psychic headspace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. I think that 
Well, I'll tell you another practical thing, because the longer I did Tech Shabbat on Shabbat, the more I brought little mini interventions for myself throughout the week. And one Mm -hmm. of the big ones that I do is I do use my phone as an alarm clock. I I have gone back and forth. I tried an alarm clock. I have tried an alarm clock, but I still have it on airplane mode, my phone, and I use it as my alarm, but it stays in airplane mode. And I go down and get my coffee and I go sit in my chair and I put my feet up in my slippers and I open my five minute journal before I've opened my phone and the five minute journal, you know, it says it has three lines. Like, what are you grateful for? And I always try to write something different. And then what are three things you hope for the day? So I spend time. I haven't even looked at my phone mm-hmm. and I'm like, what's happening today? What do I hope for the day? It's like, I'm setting the tone for the day versus if I woke up, and looked at that phone and saw the news headlines or some stressful email for work that I forgot to do. Like mm-hmm. immediately that sets the agenda for the That's day. That's right. Heart's exactly. racing. Like, but by doing this simple 10 to 15 minute ritual before my phone is on, it's like I'm setting the tone for the day. And it's yeah. so profound. And then before I go to sleep, I go back to the journal. What were th- three beautiful things mm-hmm. that happened that day? They're often very thought different than what I thought they were. And it's like starting and ending the day with this beautiful intentionality instead of letting... You know, this. I mean, how many times have you looked at your phone right before you go to bed and there's some stressful yes. thing in it and then you it's dream so about it? You don't true. sleep well. It's so true. Yeah. So it's like it's, <laughs> it's taking back, you know, your what's your day going to be and what do you want it to be? And what are the three things you need to get done that day? Because that, that's another thing is like before I even go into my inbox, what do I need to get done today? I only yeah. try to write three things. I have like seven million things on my to do list. But what do I have to get done today? Yeah. And that's before all the emails are like, oh, you have to send this, you have to do that, mm-hmm. and you have to do that. Yeah. Well, you have, a, uh, I quoted from you in the book, that living 24-6 feels like magic, and here's why. And I, I think that's so right, the word magic. It is magic. There's no question. It seems to defy the laws of physics as it both slows down time and gives us more of it. I laugh a lot more on that day without a screen. I notice everything in greater detail. I sleep better. It strengthens my relationships, makes me feel healthier. Um, each week I get a full reset. I love that. And afterwards, I'm much more productive and efficient with positive effects that radiate out to the other six days. And so this phrase I'd love to talk about, who would have thought technology could be more potent in its absence? Mm-hmm. Say a little yeah. bit more about how you've experienced technology well, to be potent in its absence. I think that like I love technology six days a week and then I turn it off and I'm like, mm-hmm. And I feel liberated. I feel this like a whole different person. But the other thing, and I think differently, I have a question about something. I'm like, oh, I can't look that up. I'm just going to ponder that question. And then often these very interesting ideas come that wouldn't have come if I could just look Mm -hmm. it up on Google. And then on Saturday night, I'm also excited to go back online. And I kind of reappreciate the fact that we live in the 21st century. We have access to all these tools. Mm -hmm. So every week I get this double hit. I cannot wait to turn it all off. And I'm psyched to turn it back mm-hmm. on. So it's, it, it almost, it helps me appreciate technology too and not just take it for granted. But I think, here's the thing. I don't think we're giving ourselves enough value. I think we put too much power in the phone. Like people freak out when they lose their phone. Yeah. Oh my God, where's my phone? I'm like, like mm-hmm. as if all their power is in that phone and you forget you are powerful and your own thoughts are powerful and you what you're feeling is powerful mm-hmm. and if you don't give the respect and time and space to understand what those are, you're just like connected to this thing as, as Sherry Turkle is saying, and you're 
you're this extension of the, your phone and everything that comes from it instead of really having the courage to say i respect who i am and my inner thoughts i want to know my inner world and i want to value that yeah you know you write in your book that it takes 23 minutes to regain focus after you've been interrupted and mm-hmm. i have known that but i haven't had a number to go with it and yeah. sometimes I feel like it's my own mental weakness that I'm so disrupted by a phone call or a text that comes through because you and I both know, I mean, I'm, I'm a writer and, and I'm amazed at how I'll be having a thought and I'll be in a flow. And then somehow because the phone rings or a text comes in, it pulls me away. And you are so, I knew this was true, but you've quantified it that to take 23 minutes to regain focus after you've been interrupted. That's an incredible amount of power that our technologies have, especially when you're living a vocational life that has to do with being able to sustain thoughts and string Mm -hmm. words together, you know? Well, also, I've I've been trying to really work on, I have a lot of tabs open. Mm -hmm. Are you like that? Yes. I'm on too many tabs. Mm -hmm. And what I've been running into lately, and I really need a better strategy is I have so many tabs open and I'm opening up a tab thinking it's one thing and it's something else. And then I'm like, oh, that's the thing I need to work mm-hmm. on. Because the way I look at my tabs are they're all the things I'm working on. The problem with that system is you you can just get thrown off of yes. your focus. Mm-hmm. So the truth is if I really need to focus on something like the phone, even this is during the week, the phone goes behind my seat so I can't see it. I've got a lot of the settings on the phone set up that are across all computers of focus. Mm-hmm. And I advise anyone listening to call Apple support, they've got great Apple support, and have them walk you through how to set that up. So you can just have certain people be able to come through, and when you're focused, you can really not have all the ping. I don't have any notifications on Mm -hmm. my phone. And I will open up a new window with just the tab I need to work on so I'm not distracted with the other tabs. But Mm -hmm. all the systems in our world are designed to keep you unfocused. And if you value getting things done or being present, um, you got to... You got to rise up and do something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and from a religious perspective, part of what we want to be present to in whatever language we might use for God or whatever, we want to be present to to what's happening in our souls. We want to be present to the great other, however we might want to describe that, but to God. And so I've found it to be quite uncanny that just when I'm feeling like I'm entering into a time of spiritual openness, spiritual awareness, times when I feel like I'm being addressed by, you know, that which is beyond myself, the phone rings and takes me right out of that moment. And it's almost uncanny how it happens. Wow. Um, Yeah. It's almost like there's some sort of a battle in the universe, you know, for Mm -hmm. our attentions. And of course, that's an area of huge research right now. And and even articulation, the fact that our attention um, is now commodified and everybody's fight. I can tell by the way that you're talking, everybody's vying for your attention. And our attention is the most valuable thing now that that our culture is trying to, you know, capture to use it for its own ends, Mm -hmm. which means if that's what culture is is attempting to do that means we have to be even more vigilant i think in how we structure our lives around technologies could you say a little bit more about this interplay between your vocational life like how you're utilizing technology within your vocational life and calling Mm -hmm. um that's what i think is so interesting about your life is that there's this extreme almost extreme juxtaposition 
that mm-hmm. you're working within technology for your very vocational life, and that at the same time you're taking these radical steps to unplug. I don't know many people like that. <laughs> I know. I mean, especially <laughs> since my first part of my career was like honoring technology. Well, it's interesting. I mean, right now I'm launching my first art show and I'm working in wood right now, which has been this a very exciting shift. But in a lot of ways, it's like an ancient technology in itself. And I, th- I was thinking about how Shabbat is an ancient technology. Mm-hmm. The wood sculptures and trees are an ancient technology. So I'm interested in the limits of modern technology and the wisdom of ancient technologies, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And... Yeah, I mean, I've had a newsletter that any of your listeners can sign up for called Breakfast at Tiffany's for mm-hmm. 25 years. And it's just, they can sign up right on my site at tiffanyschlein.com. And I, I, I'm always launch, I'm launching a project where I'm using email, I'm using social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter a lot. And I use those to launch projects. And then, and I go through these phases where I'm on it a lot. And then I'm like, I shut down on the weekends and mm-hmm. it kind of resets me for the next week. Yeah. So I think what Shabbat builds in is this reset every week. But for my work, I love reaching. I mean, people that have read my book, it's so fun on Instagram. They hold up my book. They're like, I read it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing tech Shabbats. It's such a beautiful way for me to connect with my readers or people that have watched my movies. And on my newsletter, there have been people that have been with me my whole career, and that's our conduit is over email using technology. So I'm not anti-technology. I'm just anti-technology 24-7. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. we appreciate it more, and it's more – we can kind of look at what it is more when you detach from it. And right now, no one ever turns off their phone. No one ever goes offline, and that's mm-hmm. not healthy. Yeah, right. I think that our listeners would appreciate you saying a little bit more about how you work with this with kids, because now, mm-hmm. you know, you started this when your kids were very young, and now you've got kids who are teenage yeah. and young adults, and I think that might be one of the main reasons why people say, well, that would never work for me, yeah. is because my kids would never go for that. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about your parenting? I loved your chapter title, Left to Their Own Devices, Parenting yeah. with Tech. Yeah, I mean, I think, okay, it was easier for me. I had a newborn and a six-year-old. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like... the easy part. I agree. I know that. And I'm setting the tone for the house with my husband and, you know, they're not questioning things as much. But I think if your kids are older, you can't say we're going to turn off the screens for a day. Like people will start crying. Yeah. (laughs) It's not the right, good way to approach anything. But if you were to be like, we're going to do a family experiment. Mm. So experiment's a good word. And Everyone gets to pick one thing they wish we did more of as a family. And you design an awesome day that's filled with those things. So again, like when we have Shabbat, a lot of times we invite our our kids, best friends, families over Mm -hmm. for Shabbat. We get to know them. They're excited. You know, we have this wonderful meal, really get to know who they're hanging out with. And then on Saturday, like my one daughter loves to go thrifting. My other daughter loves to read and go to the library. I like to take a nap, you know, (laughs) like it's a mixture of all those things. Mm-hmm. So it's a day designed democratically. It's a day of joy. So it's like, you know, your kids, like some kids, like I've had some people say to me, Oh my God, my son's a big gamer. That's all he would say gaming. But I'm sure if you just set, you know, your kid, there's probably some things they like to do that don't involve screens and be like, okay, we're going to go whatever sailing or whatever it is. So it does take a little bit more creativity as your kids get older and then if they're like really older teens, that's going to be hard. Yeah. I, I, my 19-year-old, you know, it's funny because she's home for the summer. She's about to go to college. You know, she's an adult. And I, but she's, 
keeps her Shabbat going. And so, yeah. and like I told you, she made that adjustment because she knows, she would say in high school, it, it guarded her from high school burnout. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously she's a very focused kid. She does very well in school, but we don't let them do homework on Shabbat. Yeah. We're like, no, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. We're not letting you do it. And, and I think that made her a better student because yeah. she got a break and some kids are just stressing all the time about mm-hmm. homework and college and applications and that's not healthy for anyone. Everyone yeah. needs a break. So there are a couple of things that you felt were important enough to legislate that weren't exactly yeah. democratic. Yeah. Like, well, it's interesting. We waited really long to get the iPhone mm-hmm. smartphone for our kids. And, oh, you know, I, I'm so grateful for Tech Shabbat because the phone issue, like our youngest uh, has an iPhone now. She's in eighth grade. And we had an eight page contract, a meeting and a contract that I'd built with my husband for our other daughter. Like we take it seriously. We're sitting down there and the contract is really us expressing our hopes and desires and fears. And we're all going to write it down. We're all going to sign it. And I have to say, I was very anxious about that whole process and it went okay. It's been going okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you know, during the pandemic was so hard because we had all these rules, like no screens in the bedroom and all these things. And then the pandemic happened. Suddenly their bedrooms mm-hmm. were their classrooms and all those rules went out the window. Yeah. And then the pandemic ended and we had to kind of recalibrate. And I think it's mm-hmm. good to do after summer. Like we're just, yeah. we just had that conversation with our daughter. Okay. Screen time's back on, you know, all screens out of the bedroom, which I'm a big proponent mm-hmm. of with kids. Like do not let them sleep with their phone and laptop in their room. Yes. I think the argument of like, well, what if my friends need to reach me? And I think an interesting thing that Shabbat teaches my kids is there's a day where you're not reachable and mm-hmm. that's okay. And, and actually it says that family, like when I was growing up, Sunday was family day because all the stores were closed. And, yeah. and then our society with all the sports and all of this, and there's no family day. So for one day a week, we value our family. We value these relationships. And this is going to be a family day. Because remember, the social part is Friday night. If they really want to be with their friends, invite their friends over for Shabbat dinner. But Saturday is family day. And I think it's saying and it's modeling behavior that we value investing in family. It's just like in a relationship. Like my husband and I go on a date night every week. And it's like we're investing time in not with the kids and just like going out and connecting. And it, it's about showing how to nurture relationships really yeah and they're with their friends six days a week Mm -hmm. so tiffany i told you that one of my favorite things about your book was the fact that you're casting this vision for a 24 6 life that has one day a week when we are unplugged but the best thing about your book was just you just covered all the practicalities i was wondering if you could just give us a rundown of some of the most practical things that have helped you to do this in your life. And you've already seeded some of those things into the conversation, but I'd like for us to list them a little bit. Like you've talked about things like directions and landlines and, Mm -hmm. you know, but just run down some of the things that you're, you would say, these are the most important practical things that helped us and helped me. Having a landline. Having a landline. Okay. Pull out a watch. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many times you pull out your phone and really you're just looking for the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I said, that new feature. So along for many years, we would be on TextBot and people would text me and think I was just not responding. Mm-hmm. Now it says she's silenced her notifications. So somebody knows that you're not seeing the text. Mm-hmm. I used to feel horrible yeah. when I'd come back and be like, oh my God, that person thought I spent eight hours before I responded. But now call Apple support or Android support and figure out how to use those features, which just came out six months ago, mm-hmm. which I've been waiting to have happen. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is setting expectation of response time to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And you do have to tell your family and friends, you know, I'm, we're doing this as a family. We're going to do these texture bots because we just need a break. And I think it'd be really good for us. And just, you're going to remind them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes on social media, I'm like, I'm going on a texture bot. I'm turning off the screens. For a long time, I used to like post. And in some ways, it reinforced my own commitment. It was like, I'm, mm-hmm. I wrote a book about it. I'm telling people I'm doing it. I better stick to it. You know, it's like accountability. You know, I mean, Oh, I always have like a notepad with like a pen on the yes. counter because you're going to inevitably think of, oh, mm-hmm. I forgot to call that person. I need to make that appointment at the vet, whatever. You're going to think of those things. And I just have a piece of paper that I'm just like, the first only happens the first couple hours. So it's like they're tumbling yeah. out of me and it's going to be there waiting for you. Also out of sight, out of mind, like have a like nice napkin that covers your, like don't make them in a visible space. You don't want to check it. Mm-hmm. And I think really thinking, how do I want to live my life? You know, there's as a Annie Dillard quote, how you spend your days, days is, is indeed how you how spend, you spend your, life. your life. Yes. And if, do you want to be that person that's yeah. like always never present, like your son yes. or daughter, like, Hey mom, you're like, wait a second, I'm online. And, yeah. Or no, you know, you could die. You want to be a present mother and parenting mm-hmm. is all about modeling behavior. So if you show to your kids, I value for a day, we're going to be really mm-hmm. present with each other. That's what you're showing them. Well, Tiffany's going to be back at the end of this episode because she and I are going to ask each other the question, what does your soul want to say to God? But first, we want to hear from Chris Papalardo. He is co-founder of Good Kind, who is our sponsor for this season. And we had a great conversation about how he experiences technology and why the Sabbath box has emerged from his own desire to tame technology in his own life. Well, friends, I'm so pleased to welcome Chris Papillardo to our podcast here. And Chris is part of an organization called Good Kind, which is an organization that cultivates practices that draws people to God and to one another. And um, his organization is uh, sponsoring this podcast season. And we are actually really pleased to point you towards the Sabbath boxes that he makes. He's married to Jen. He's the proud dad of a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So Chris, tell us a little bit about the Sabbath boxes. We're all so interested in this. Yeah. So um, like you, Ruth, I feel like a Sabbath doctor us even having done this for years and so the sabbath box was an attempt that our family created kind of built together to help us actually practice sabbath in a sustainable way and teach our kids mm-hmm. so that the core idea of it is very simple um, though we've kind of took a few iterations to get there is this wooden box mm-hmm. it's intentionally beautiful on one side of the, the front of the box is a sliding top that says create and cultivate this is the invitation to to work mm-hmm. six days out of the week this is what god asks us to do. It's good. God created work. He, he's a worker. He wants us to do it. But then on, on the Sabbath, that top slides off. It flips around. On the other side is the, the text, stop and enjoy. And that's the invitation to Sabbath. So the box itself, relatively simple with that, that flipping top to kind of indicate this rhythm. But what makes it work, what makes it click as kind of a habit forming thing is once you make that flip, all right, now it's time for us to put our phones in there, or other things that symbolize work. Generally, phone is number one. But if you travel a lot, you might put your keys in. We invite our kids into it too. And so they'll go and they'll get a piece of paper and say, no homework, it's Sunday, that kind of thing. So it makes it mm-hmm. a lot of fun and really amplifies the, the joyful element of Sabbath and that invitation, which I know is often a, a struggle for, for a lot of us. 
you know, I do hear your emphasis on technology and the Sabbath box is a place to put your phones. And that makes me think that you've probably had a bit of a struggle and an awareness of how technology actually distracts from Sabbath keeping. Can you tell me a little bit more about your journey with understanding the impact that technology has on our ability to practice technology and um, how this has helped you with that? Yeah. Yeah. I um, I grew up in the 90s, which is not exactly the Stone Age. But things mm-hmm. were things were even different then. I did not grow up with a cell phone, and a lot of places were closed on on Sundays. So I didn't practice Sabbath growing up. But there was at least a rhythm and an infrastructure in the world around me that made mm-hmm. it uh, imaginable. It was something that our family could have engaged in if if we had chosen to. Now everything is twenty four seven. Every day of the week, we're expected mm-hmm. to do more, be more, buy more, work more all of that. And at the yeah. center of a lot of that is this device that I love and, and that I hate. It's uh, it's my iPhone. And so God didn't say anything about putting our devices away on Sabbath, but I feel like there's no way that we can be Sabbath keepers in the year 2022 and not directly talk about what that means mm-hmm. for technology. And yeah. so that's that's how we came to this. And that's why you know, mm-hmm. the, the stop and enjoy invitation that we have. Um, when we say stop, for us primarily, we're saying, all right, this is going to be hard for you to hear. Take that little rectangular lifeline, turn it off, put it in this box. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. You're not going to see it at all. But that's, that's kind of 101 when it comes to, you know, Sabbath and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is, not, this is not something we came up with or... or or came across solo. I would really enjoy the chapter in your book that kind of walks a lot of this journey too. Um, and you, you had some of the same experience I did, right? Of I've mm-hmm. learned a Sabbath rhythm. Now I have to pivot and figure out what this means with the technology that wasn't in the world then. How, how has yeah. that been for you in trying to figure out, well, how do I tame technology in my own Sabbath practice? Yeah. Well, first of all, I had to wake up to it. You know, like when I first started practicing Sabbath, my biggest awareness of addiction in my life was my addiction to my work and achieving and performing and all of that. And that was the part that was where I wrestled the most when I started practicing 20 years ago. And then there was a point where I realized, oh, my goodness, I've I've gotten myself disconnected from my work. I don't feel as addicted to that anymore. In fact, I'm really happy to let it go. The temptations around that are not nearly what they used to be. But there's a new addiction, Mm -hmm. and that is the addiction to technology. And I realized that now it wasn't my work that was keeping me from resting. It was actually the um, accessibility of technology and its ever-present nature. And I had to even learn and, and become aware of and articulate another level of exhaustion, you know? It's not exhaustion from my work because I've learned how to let that go and that's been really blessed. Now I'm recognizing a mental and psychic exhaustion that comes from being plugged in all the time. And so even the word that you have on your box, the word enjoy, I I think we're all, you know, very connected with our phones, but I wouldn't connect the word enjoyment with my phone. I don't enjoy my phone. I don't. It feels necessary. It does feel addictive. It keeps me connected to the world in ways that can keep me riled up or get me riled up. It keeps me more connected with the news, which is not usually very encouraging. (laughs) 
if you know I, I'm not on much social media anymore because I saw what it did inside my mm-hmm. soul to be on social media and I just decided I don't want that so I don't associate enjoyment with the phone but it has started to feel necessary and so so that was almost a new frontier like I, I would even call it a new frontier to say okay this is what we're dealing with now we're dealing with mental psychic um, exhaustion we're dealing with a consumeristic culture where everything that comes out of the culture is meant to sell stuff to you it's meant to make you dissatisfied with what you have and to convince you that you need something else that part of me is exhausted Mm -hmm. i'm so tired of fighting with that part of myself so that was the new frontier now what am i going to do about this i have figured out the work thing i'm doing pretty good with that but now what do i do with the technology part and that's why in this book i thought man i've got to drive a bigger stake in the ground around this than i ever have before and so i did and so I've appreciated hearing you talk about the Sabbath box as one of the ways in which you deal with technology, technology specifically, a home for your phone. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know like any any tool in our lives. It's not that uh, we're dealing with something evil. If it was, we would just say, okay, let's get let's get rid of this. Maybe that's mm-hmm. where you need to be with social media. Say this is toxic for my soul. I'm off completely. Generally, it's not viable mm-hmm. for us to say, oh, well, let's just all go back to dumb phones. So the, the question right. is, how do we how do we create a home for it? You talk in your book about, and I love this, about not just saying, well, here's the rule, kill, kill the phone mm-hmm. for this amount of time, but you say, notice and, and, and identify how this feels mm-hmm. to turn it off, to put it away, to have a conversation with it there, with it in another room. So what, mm-hmm. what are some of the things you've noticed, some of the feelings you had as you said, okay, I'm going to turn the phone off or put it away as you disconnect for your Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you for mentioning that little exercise because that's been very important for me is to do some experimentation and some yeah. noticing. You know, what does it feel like to sleep with the phone by mm-hmm. the bed versus to sleep with the phone not by the bed? What does it feel like to go for a walk with yeah. my phone versus going for a walk without my phone? What does it feel like to have lunch with my friend with my phone out of sight versus with my phone on yeah. the table? What does it feel like to practice Sabbath with my phone near me or, or my phone out of sight? You know, And I, I, to me, that was so helpful because I wasn't then interacting and responding to somebody else's external rules. I was actually noticing from within myself the differences and making some decisions based on what I knew about myself and what I knew would be good for me. So one of the things I have noticed is that out of sight is really important, that even when the phone is off, but it's in sight, it reminds me of Mm -hmm. its presence. And then there's the little tiny bit of temptation to check it. Whereas if I put it in a drawer or, you know, typically a drawer or something like that, if not a Sabbath box is best because it's out of sight. So that is one thing I've noticed. The other thing I've noticed now that's on the positive side is that when I get to that moment on Saturday evening, because I do turn it off, you know, at the beginning of Sabbath, which for me is mm-hmm. in the evening, when I do turn it off, I start to feel like safe mm-hmm. and cocooned, wrapped up, like, oh, nobody can find yeah. me. Nobody can reach me. The people that I want to be able to find me know where I am. And I've said, this is how you right. can find me. Come over to our house, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to have my phone off. I don't want to be disconnected from you. I'm trying to be disconnected from this phone. Yes. <laughs> so this is how, it, you know, you can reach. Please, we're here all day. You can always come by. We'd love to see you. But, you know, then when I when I really do unplug, I feel like, oh, wow, nothing, none of those, you know, 
hard things that come in through my phone are going to come at me now for a little while. I'm living my life on my own terms with God versus being subject to what other people want to press into my life. And I love that feeling, you yeah. know, now that I've gotten past the discomfort. Uh, I'm not totally past it. There are times when there will be something yeah. that's tempting to me to open up the phone again, and sometimes I do give in. But generally, now I have this wonderful feeling of being safe and protected and held and out of reach of the things in this culture that I just don't want to have access to me on that day. Yeah. I love that. I'm I'm probably candidly still more in the discomfort phase of, of my journey mm-hmm. because when I, I turn my phone off, I feel, you know, the first feelings are anxiety. What am I missing? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and there are blips of that. Wow, I don't I'm present before God. I have to reckon with the fact that that is the only reality I've got right now because I don't have tech to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, take this car off into into the ditch. But what I love about it is that it it doesn't have to be, you will feel this way. This is the roadmap, right? But you're just saying, stop, notice. It may be beautiful at yeah. first. It may be really hard. But the first step is in stopping long enough and plugging it up and mm-hmm. just being candid about what that feels like. Yeah. And the other thing I say in the book, too, is don't ever judge your attempts at Sabbath keeping. Don't heap that mm-hmm. on yourself. The best thing we can all do is just try stuff, you know, and learn and continue to put it together. But let's not let this be an opportunity for judging ourselves. We don't need any more of that. Even the fact that we're trying and attempting to be thoughtful about these things is something that God honors. And I think it delights the heart of God that his children are trying, you know, that as weak and limited as we humans are, God's saying, oh, look at them. Bless their hearts. They're at least trying. (laughs) And so I just don't want us to be judging ourselves at all. Let's just keep trying stuff until we enter into the practice as God intended it to be for us. So thanks, Chris. What a fun conversation. And thank you for your sponsorship. And God bless you. Tell us one more time how people can find you and your Sabbath boxes. Yeah, our Sabbath boxes and everything else we make is at goodkind.shop. Great. Well, I hope many of our listeners will go there and see the beautiful things that you've created to help us practice together with our loved ones. Thank you. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation with Chris, and we actually have a little bit more of that conversation over on Patreon, really digging into his experience as a young father of young children and how he has helped to bring Sabbath into their home and into their family life. So you can go over to Patreon for that. And also one final question with Tiffany, uh, continuing our conversation about technology. I also wanted to let you know that I have something really fun to tell you about, and that is that there is going to be a Sabbath journal, What Your Soul Wants to Say to God. And it is finished. It's complete. It'll be out uh, sometime in December or early January. We'll let you know, but you can pre-order it on InterVarsity Press's website. And it's created to do just exactly what Tiffany was talking about and what we do throughout the book, and that is to create a space, a place where you can say what your soul needs to say to God, specifically on the Sabbath. I think I've said somewhere along the way that for me, it's a good Sabbath if I've been able to say something true to God. I know that I've you know, gotten in touch with my soul and can say something true to God, then I know it's been a good Sabbath. So we've created this resource just to give us all a little spot where our souls can say something true to God on the Sabbath. And I hope it's a blessing. I hope it helps us all to create just a tiny bit of space on the Sabbath for saying something true to God. And now uh, Tiffany's back and we're going to talk about what our soul wants to say to God at the end of this conversation. (laughs) 
Well, we like to end our episodes with an opportunity for us just to say to each other what might be stirring in our own souls in response to this conversation. You know, a, a, a sense of a soul stirring is different than sharing thoughts and ideas and intellectual ways of looking at things. So is there something that's stirring in our souls that our souls want to say to God uh, coming out of this conversation? And then I'm going to invite our listeners to do the same, to not rush out and just get on with the next thing before noticing what the soul is saying. Well, I think it's so nice to talk to you because I feel like kinship, that you know the power and beauty and importance of Shabbat. So that, and that's the beauty of Judaism to me is this kind of shared value system. And actually, you know, I didn't feel like practicing Shabbat the way it did was available to me because I thought it was only for Orthodox Jews really Mm -hmm. to practice it in a complete way and the more that I began to understand that Jews are always remaking what Judaism is and the core values are the same but you can engage with it in a new way in every generation so that's what was coming up for me yeah yeah, for me too, I had that moment of, she's a soul sister. I mean, you know, a lot of times I'm leading out on this topic versus being met, you know? And mm-hmm. so I feel like in this conversation, I was met by someone yeah. who's also practicing very deeply and sees it really as I do as a place of liberation, as um, salvation. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's so interesting that in the Old Testament scripture, there's a, a phrase that talks about that in returning and rest, we shall be saved. And a place of curiosity for me is, what does it mean to be saved by rest, you know? Mm. But I think that in the conversation that you and I have talked about, it is a kind of liberation from bondage. You use the Mm -hmm. word liberated and free so many times in Mm -hmm. our conversation. Mm -hmm. This practice does save us um, in ways that we need to be saved as human beings. And Mm -hmm. so it's great to have a conversation with somebody who's out there on the edges, (laughs) Trying to figure out how to practice this even in our contemporary culture. An ancient technology in our contemporary culture. Mm. And I I hope, I think we're using it well. And I I thank God for that. Uh, Well, I really appreciate this conversation. Mm. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And to our listeners, just want to encourage you to not rush on to the next thing, but to take a moment to see what your soul wants to say to God and maybe either say it or jot it down, journal about it a little bit, but don't let the moment go. If your soul is stirred, say something true to God and see what happens in your life.